What is up, everyone? Thank you for coming to our show. This is Sobriety After Dark with me, Jackie Laidlaw, meets Fully Awake with Sarah Liz. Microphone's hooked. Does that sound okay on your end? Yeah. That sounds much better on my end. Yeah, much I can better. Hear myself way better. Do I sound okay? On you sound great. Your end? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Absolutely. Good. And no lag either. Yay! I'm so glad. Yay. This worked so well the other day that I was like, "Why didn't I do this before? What are we doing <laughs> differently that we didn't do?" We were on Instagram. I thought we tried Zoom. Mm-mm. I don't know why I thought we tried Zoom. I think we talked about trying it and then we never actually did. Yeah. And we just did Instagram and it sound it doesn't, it didn't sound bad. It just didn't sound choppy a little bit. Yeah. And honestly, sound quality is the number one thing for podcasts. Like honestly, as a listener, I can't listen to a podcast if I can barely hear the person. I, I mean, I unfortunately get too loud sometimes, but it's because I'm deaf in one ear and I'm trying to be a little bit louder so that people can hear. I, there's nothing worse than not being able to hear. I, I immediately turn the podcast off. It's just yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I get that. So right? hopefully now this will be easier. It sounds good on my end. Yeah, I know you sound good on my end too. <laughs> Definitely when you move though, it like yeah. makes sound. I'm sure it does when I move too. I'm trying. Yeah. <laughs> sit, to sit still. Ooh, ooh, just... <sighs> How are you? Good. I miss you. I can't wait to do this in person. I know it's going to be so much more fun. Right. (laughs) I can't wait to have a podcast studio. I'm turning my shed into a podcast studio. Yeah, that's so cool. Yay. We're going to do like soundproof walls and everything like extra insulation. That's so cool. You should just save like egg cartons. (sighs) Oh, yeah. That's what that's for. Uh (sighs) I can easily do that. We be eat so much cheaper. It'd be so much cheaper than like buying the. So just start saving my egg cartons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you and use so, and then you use the yeah, and take donations, and then you you cut them and you use where the eggs go. Yeah, not yeah. the other side, just where the eggs go. So just yeah, that makes sense. Save them. Cool. Yeah, I've been thinking Uh, about like doing it to my wall (laughs) or like building like a poster board that I could like fold up and like, you know, gluing them on or something. (laughs) Okay. Temporary soundproof. Yeah. That's so funny. That's Uh, actually not a bad idea at all. I love projects. I mean, honestly, as an addict, that's one of my favorite things to do. And I honestly, I watched my parents do it my whole life. They always had a project going on. It's fun. Yeah. (laughs) We always have a project going on too. And I don't feel like I wouldn't label us as addicts. <laughs> well, no, no. <laughs> I use the term addict as a good thing. I think and I think being an addict is a superpower. I think a lot of people have good addict behavior. You have good addict behavior in the gym and in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's Positive true. Addict behavior is not a bad thing. That's a it's a freaking superpower. But the word addict gets such a negative connotation. It sounds like a junkie and an addict is not a junkie. An addict is just someone that does something so much that they will get it right. <laughs> Come fucking hell or high water, they will get it. You know, they will, they will mission accomplish. Yeah. That's like commitment though. Yeah. But it, Versus... addict behavior is way stronger than commitment. It's doing something to the extreme. It's an extremist form of whatever. Yeah. Okay. 
Fair enough. My take, my personal, Your personal, personal perspective. Yes, yes. Fair my enough. dad never showed me his negative addict behavior. All of it was his positive addict behavior until I learned what emotional addictions were. And that was definitely negative addict behavior. But um, he, he was a very positive influence in the work ethic department because that's where his addiction was. He was addicted to work and money and, and doing things like that. But it was still still addict behavior. I'm just yeah. aware of it. I just observe it. I, I don't judge it by any means. It's honestly, when I see it and people that are using it for bad, I definitely don't judge it. And if, if anything, it gives me like butterflies in my tummy because I know that they eventually, when they see their potential, when they see their light, they will eventually take that and walk it in the right direction. And it'll be light years better than anything they ever experienced before. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say I have addict behavior for what I'm doing now. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, you're on a roll. (laughs) Exactly. And honestly, entrepreneurs are addicts. Entrepreneurs have to be addicts in order to keep going. Otherwise, I mean, we're a little crazy. It's a good kind of crazy, not bad crazy. It's a wonderful thing. Like normal everyday people don't do things like this. And you're, you're an earth shaker, you know, (laughs) it's a good thing. That's a a wonderful quality to have. Got on my podcast app today and saw how much you're killing it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I cannot wait to binge listen to all of this. (laughs) I'm going to, as an addict, I will literally listen to all of them in one sitting. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love it. You know, my goal is to keep them short so that, People that aren't binge listeners like you can just listen for a little bit, turn it off, walk away. Get a taste. Yeah. You know, one of the ones that has the most hits right now is the monetize and create, which is interesting because yeah, one of my personal longest ones. And yeah, it's just really interesting that that's the case. And then the second one is our collaboration. Oh, nice. Which is even longer. Yeah. So I know, I know for me, I can't listen to myself ramble for more than 20 <laughs> minutes. Right. I get <sighs> so annoyed with myself. I'm like, can I just shut up now? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and also too, I find that I go off on a tangent if I'm not communicating with somebody else. Right, right. I could go down a rabbit. I could literally talk on the mic for probably an hour about like if I just went down different tangents, but that's not, I'm not going to do that to anybody. Yeah. (laughs) It's way more interesting when there's someone to talk to. Way more interesting. And it's conversational. Mm -hmm. And makes you, it makes the listener feel like they're in the room with the people. And that's the, that's the feeling I want people to feel like they're sitting here with us conversating about leveling up and about, you know, our spiritual awakenings and our, you know, I want them to feel like they're in the room with us. Yeah, I do too. I want it to feel like they're connected. And mm-hmm. I was just talking with someone and this will kind of intro what we're going to talk about today. Um, and she was saying that spirituality to her meant, you know, connection with herself. Mm-hmm. And that was her perspective on spirituality. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Because mm-hmm. A, at the end of the day, you know, like the Bible and Buddhism and different religions talk about connecting to your inner self, which is our inner work, which is our spiritual awakening, which we're finding and we're searching for who we are, Mm -hmm. or really we're just discovering it. Mm -hmm. 
We're and rediscovering. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. your intro. That's what today yeah. we'll I talk love about. It. <laughs> I love it. She literally hit the nail on the head of everything we've been kind of discussing. I didn't think of that as spirituality, but the way I was saying it is that that was the hole that only I could fill that not even Jesus himself could fill. Jesus has been living in my heart for as long as I can remember. And I remember always hearing it at church that like, that's, that's the Jesus shaped hole in your heart. No, actually there was a me shaped hole in my heart that at some point in my childhood, I removed self-love and replaced it with external validation and didn't know how to fill that hole. And guess where I found it? Guess where I filled it? In hot yoga. <laughs> which Everything would you say? always circles back to hot yoga. <laughs> which would you say that that is how you discovered yourself? Absolutely. That's okay. where, that's where I discovered myself. How and where. There you go. Would, so that's the spiritual connection. And that's, mm-hmm. you're connecting that's where I to mm-hmm. you. And but I couldn't you do are. that without thyroid medicine. Cause I used to go to hot yoga before thyroid medicine and I couldn't get that connection. I could go through the motions. I could enjoy the class, but I could not get reconnected to my body no matter how hard I, I tried. And granted I was still drinking back then. And I remember literally getting my car after one of Matt's classes and lighting a cigarette and going, Oh, I feel so great. <laughs> So granted, my habits were not the best then, but no matter what I did, I couldn't, I didn't have that ability to, to connect. It wasn't physically possible. I had to break down tons of, um, shit. I don't know another word. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) it comes back to the fact of connecting to ourself and who we are created to be, which my belief Mm -hmm. is we are created to be this person by God. Um, we still have to peel away all those layers, all the layers of crap that just pile on and Mm -hmm. our perspective gets skewed and then we lose who we are and who God created us to be. So I mean, yes, exactly. We have to peel it away. (laughs) Right. Do you find it so much easier to do this because we have small children and we can see how children see the world and how vastly different our perspective is? I feel like that's, it's so much easier to see because of these little. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I have to agree with that. It's um, when you have kids, you see life differently. Mm hmm. Because you see them through these new, fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think for me, though, like I wasn't really ready to peel away all the layers until, you know, post baby number two. Yeah. Baby number one, I still thought I was hunky dory and I was Mm -hmm. living, I was living a good life. And I was like, my life is awesome. Oh my God. I can so relate. (laughs) One kid was like blissful. It was like my little shopping buddy. I always had like a partner in crime. Tatum filled a hole inside of me that I had no idea I had a Tatum shaped hole in my heart. He just like, like a puzzle piece went right in there. I was like, oh my goodness gracious alive. Don't be codependent on my son. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. And then so like for me, I don't know what it was for you, but for me, second kid comes along 
And my whole world was shaken because yes. there's this fiery beast and she's crying all the time, which was unlike my uh, first. Um, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, who am I? What am I doing with myself? Uh, and I just how really am I supposed felt to parent this? like I lost myself and thank mm-hmm. God yoga teacher training came, you know, nine months later. And that's when I realized like, oh my gosh, I have so much shit to work through. Mm-hmm. I have to work through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And oh yeah. Baby number two was the, and, and I never want Teddy and I don't want to talk about this in front of her to where she thinks that she's responsible for anything. Um, but she was definitely the awakening in our family of how much, um, I was doing and I'm not, I wasn't even like, I would never, I didn't feel like I was doing all that much. Like I don't want any, any celebratory woohoo. You were doing so much, not like that, but like <laughs> I was you know, waking up early, going to the gym and working out for two hours and then going, you know, okay, first of all, I was dropping the kids off all the way to daycare, 25 minutes away, then racing to the gym all by 7.45 in the morning to be there for two hours and then racing to work, working all day, giving myself to my clients, which I love and I, I adore and I will forever do that. And then racing to pick up the kids and then racing to the grocery store and then racing home to cook dinner and then race, 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 race. And at one point when I wanted, when I originally wanted to start this podcast, I wanted to call it Keep the Pace because I felt like all I was fucking doing was like, <sighs> just trying to keep the pace. Like if I break pace, I'm going to die. If I break pace, I'm never going to be able to pick this life back up because it's so much. And that's when I started observing myself like, Oh, maybe you shouldn't be living like that. Maybe you should stop racing everywhere and you should just be present and see what your body wants to do and see what your life. Like Chris literally started making dinner four days a week because of HelloFresh. And I, I threw my hands up and was like, I'm done after baby number two. I couldn't do it anymore. Couldn't. It was too much. Call me a failure. Call me whatever you want. But it was way too much. I am. I am barely an adult. I am like not really even passing grade for an adult. <laughs> it is hard. Well, so, yeah. first of all, you're not a failure. You're a <laughs> no, rock star. Not a failure. Thanks. <laughs> you do a lot, and <laughs> I mean, it shows. And you work hard. I love to work hard. I want, I want my kids to want to work hard. Working hard is a wonderful thing, but when you're doing things for other people and not to upset other people, that's where I I really realized I was not finding myself. It was not serving me. I was serving other people's schedules. You know what time I wake up now? Eight, eight 30 sometimes because of quarantine. Like, Oh, (laughs) my family didn't have to wake up that early. We just had to, because mommy had to be somewhere. And now that I see that, I'm like, oh man, sorry guys. <laughs> so it's like a little awakening happened for you during quarantine. Oh, I'm, I'm literally, this is weird to say, but I'm constantly trying to wake up more. I'm constantly looking in the mirror like, okay, how do I wake up now? What else am I sleeping from? If I was sleeping from this, that, and the other, what the hell else am I sleeping on? Like, let's just wake up in all the areas, like tapping my third eye. Are we awake today? Are we up? What's happening? (laughs) That's part of doing the work is asking yourself those questions. Right, right. And life is so much better now. Life is so much easier. Life is so much happier. Life is... I don't even know how to explain it. More organic, literally organic. Not that I eat organic everything. It's, that's not, maybe one day that's not what I'm doing, but I'm living organically, living my schedule organically. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're letting, you're learning to let everything flow. Mm-hmm. And 
I think that was my authentic self going back to the the beginning. Mm-hmm. My before fifth grade was my authentic self. That's like the the age I remember losing myself. Like I remember other people's opinions mattering. And before Ooh, that, right. I'm curious what happened. <laughs> I don't even, I think hormones, I think hormones happened. Um, okay. that's, that's when like the tipping point of my hormonal experience was like horrible. Um, I think a normal hormonal cycle is just like little waves that we have to ride. And it was like, I was riding a torrential storm all the time and it was, um, exhausting. And then everyone's opinions. And when you're, when your hormones are raging, those opinions stick like glue and everyone's opinions matter way more than yours for some reason. I don't know why it's just how the teenager brain works, I guess. Um, Yeah. I think it's also like being an empath. I mean, I think those two things go hand in hand and they can feel it, especially as a teenager, they can really feel like they're elevated. Mm-hmm. You feel everything. Mm-hmm. I remember calling my dad an insensitive prick. Cause I honestly, I couldn't imagine not feeling the way he doesn't feel. It's insane mm-hmm. how he can just shut his feelings off to something. Be like, Oh, the logical solution is this and this. I'm like, but where the fuck are your feelings? You just pretend like they don't exist. That's narcissism. I don't want to do that. So I remember like always having the crossroads of, do I go shut my feelings off like he does, or do I keep feeling them? And I always, always, always stayed in my feels. (laughs) I think anyone could attest to that. (laughs) I'm happier when I let my feelings remain. Well, that's the, yeah. I don't know the right word, but that's the goal is to feel the feelings, but then not attach to them. You're not supposed to shut them off. Yeah. I mean, it's like riding the wave when you're surfing. I still come back to that analogy. I think I've given it one time, maybe in a conversation with you before. I, you know, it's, it's like you let that wave happen. And if you're going to crash, you, you let it crash and you feel the rip current, you know, get you entangled and then, and then you come up and then you can breathe again. And right. You start all over if you want to, or you take a break or like you just go with it, whatever you can. You know, I, I don't really like being out in a, like, like very literally, I don't like being out in a current when it's really strong. Like I don't like being out there swimming when it's red flags. It's, it's very difficult for me because I know that I'm attached to the time that I surfed in California and Southern California when there was a huge storm and I got, I got beat up in the wash and oh my goodness. I just don't want to get beat up in the wash, even though I know the wash isn't really a wash here. It's, you know, and I think that kind of goes to my life. Like, I think that I can be a little on the cautious side at times Mm -hmm. because I remember the actual trauma Mm -hmm. and my feelings. And Mm -hmm. even though I've done the work to clear them, there's still a little bit of hints that I'm like, I still have to work on that. Right. You know, like, um, my past experience from 2019 in, in May, that time period, I, that came up in conversation when we weren't even really talking about it. Mm-hmm. And it came up in a conversation. I was like, oh, wow, I still have to work on that. Oh, I'm still working through my trauma too. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a daily battle. It's an abs. It, Cause you, <laughs> do you want to talk about it now? Sure. <laughs> I mean, no matter how you slice it, it was psychological abuse and it's going to be a while before that 
it's, I don't think it ever goes away. I think the body remembers everything. Um, I think those words that were in those actions and the, and all of it, I think it just, um, I wish I could get a lobotomy sometimes. I wish I could go back in time. Sometimes I have these fantasies of like, this is what I should have said, or I should have said this then. Um, but then I have to remember and bring myself back. I'm going to snack and bring it back. Okay. Uh, they're on the counter if you want to take them but close mommy's door (laughs) it's so funny when I was editing a podcast earlier I kept little clips of them coming in and out because that's part of my life I was like you know what I can't fully edit this because then it interrupts the other person that was talking right hang on do you follow the little shaman oh I guess I should wait for your headphones to be on (laughs) I don't even know what you just said. Do you follow the little shaman? No. Oh my goodness. She's one of my new favorite follows. Okay. Instagram or? Instagram. Yeah. The dot little dot shaman. Okay. The dot little dot shaman. Um, she was just speaking to us, by the way, as you left, I happened to pull up Instagram and it says, Uh, I don't know. I was going to say when she posted it 36 minutes ago, she said, we all have our own paths. Not everyone is in the same place. Some people are not going to be in your headspace or on your level. It's okay to recognize that. Don't go backwards for anybody. Mm. And then she writes, choose the people around you wisely. It's easy to get caught in an echo chamber with people who are not interested in growth. Yeah. Hashtag, you know, NPD, all that, all that stuff. Her, her page is a lot about, um, growth and um narcissist empath all all the things okay just a way to not necessarily all narcissist empath but you know what i mean yeah Yeah. there's a whole section on overt narcissist and covert narcissist and yeah okay so you know she's awesome (laughs) all right so i'm gonna pull up the google thing here for a second because i'm gonna pull up the google (sighs) the google okay so a shaman is literally defined as a person regarded or having access to and influence in the world of good and evil spirits, especially mm-hmm. among some people in Northern Asia and North America. Typically, such people enter a trance state during a ritual and practice div- divination and healing. Divination as in like divinity as in... Yes. Divine. Yes. Okay. Yes. And so I... I'm also pretty cautious on when people call themselves that Um, just personally, although I really, I like what she has to say so far. Right. Right. You know, my first, my first reaction, you know, it's, I, I used to call myself and this is being totally transparent. A lot of people know this. I used to say little fit guru and it, it, I never realized there was like a negative connotation to the word guru. And I thought like guru is just a teacher. And I think so now since it was guru, right. And then people have now turned to calling themselves shamans instead of gurus, which Uh, really to some, to some essence, like there's a little bit of parallels to each one of them. And I don't think there's any negative connotations to shamans. I just think that, you know, it's kind of like 
okay, why do you believe that you are this? And so I think from a Christianity standpoint, (laughs) I I had a feeling it was going to go more Christian. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, wait a second. (laughs) But also remember your programming who programmed you to think that, do you think that, or is that someone else's? It's someone else's for sure. You know, I don't think you would be saying any of this. It doesn't sound like anything you would say. (laughs) No, it's like pre-programmed. It's definitely (laughs) where I came from. And it's definitely my upbringing. I still have a lot of that. I'm still breaking a lot of that myself. And again, like I don't. Exactly. I have a crop top on and I'm not a slut. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) I love crop tops. Why do we think, question, why do we think saying, oh my God, is a bad thing? I'm not using the Lord's name in vain. I'm begging for the Lord to come and talk to me. I know, like I'm praying. Like, right. Please, actually, I was I was trying to summon him, if anything. <laughs> you know, it it comes into that play where is it a judgment upon like other people or is it a judgment upon ourselves? Like, why are we thinking that? Like, why am I sitting here thinking like, oh, I'm real cautious on that shaman thing because I didn't realize that a guru was a bad thing. And right. like, I don't think a guru a is a bad thing, thing though. <laughs> but I think it's more like, like the Tony, have you seen Tony Robbins? I am not your guru. Yes. Yes. I think it's more like, I think your, your intention behind it was like, I'm, it's a cute word for teacher. It's a cute word for instructor, but the whole, I think meaning behind guru is that it's, it's like a narcissist wanting people to follow them. And that is not what you want at all. You just want to educate people. No. (laughs) Right. Right. No, I don't want followers. No. Like, you know, drink the Kool-Aid. I don't want that. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid. I don't want anybody to drink my Kool-Aid. If you agree with things I say, that's awesome. But Make your own damn Kool-Aid. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm literally here, present mm-hmm. on Instagram, on podcasts for the sole purpose that I want to share my story and I want to share mm. my thoughts. Yes. Because I think that people listening could learn from that and take it into their own perspective. Mm-hmm. I you mean, I wasn't... You needed this 10 years ago. So you're trying to be that person for who you needed in yeah. your younger years. That's exactly what I'm doing too. That's is, I mean, it's... I think that's why we need to embrace our egos and embrace the people like that exist, but that's not us, you know? Yeah. I don't want... I don't want my name in shiny lights. Like that's never been, I just want people to heal. I just want people not to suffer. I just want people to um, connect and feel not alone. That's my main goal for people to not feel alone. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you act like, what you do. It, It literally, it doesn't matter. We're all human. We literally are all the same. We are all one. I believe that to my core. I believe that we're here. We could either help each other or we can hurt each other. There's just no, no in the middle. And I don't want to hurt people. So let's yeah, help people. I don't either. And I think there's something to be said to that is, you know, sometimes I have heard in the healer world, like, oh, I am a healer and I can help heal you. And I sit there and I think, okay, yeah, you can. Now, are you fully healed? Because I have also been told in this healer world, for example, um, that you should not heal other people unless you are fully healed. And I kind of spirals back to, are we, are we ever all fully healed because we are human? <laughs> I think there's constantly re-trauma. Like trauma is still happening. So I don't think it's possible to be fully healed. 
Yeah. Like, it's like, I, yeah. I felt so good in quarantine because I wasn't around anybody. Causing really. trauma. <laughs> causing trauma. Causing, you know, the empath in me was like, right. I was so protected that I was just around a certain number of people. You and could then protect the, your energy. Yeah. And then the mm-hmm. people I wanted to be invited in, like mm-hmm. you and Jess mm-hmm. and whoever else, and my best friend, Jen, right? Like, those are the people that I was selecting because right. I knew that I knew how their energies worked with mine. Right. And right. I even knew, like, if, you know, whoever was having a bad day, I knew that it wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm out in the world, I, I don't always know that it's not about me, (laughs) even though I have to consciously tell myself it's not about you, Sarah. That's because you can feel their feelings. That's because you're an empath and it feels like it's yours. And it's like, why do I feel like I didn't feel like this five minutes ago, but all of us, it's because you're literally a psychic empath and your body can feel what those people are feeling. It's insane. Yeah. Like I feel those feels. And you know, I wrote Mm -hmm. this empath article like on how you know quarantine has been so best for me as an empath or so good for me as an empath and I write this and I send it to my editor and it gets kicked back to me and there are a few like comments on it that I was like ooh, like ouch and so I never published it because ego I was like, oh, crap. Like, I didn't mean for that to be a negative thing, but I think it was taken as a negative thing. And even where was she coming from? What did you say? Yeah, like, I have no idea. And so, and so I just, and I don't know that she met at, meant what she said as a negative comment right. or a negative reconstruction of it. But it triggered an onslaught of negativity in your head. So yes. regardless, right. Yeah. So I was like, I can't publish this. I don't feel good about it. So right. I just, I held, I held back on it and, you know, no offense to this editor. I think she's a great editor. She's helped right, me tremendously. Right. It's her job to write back. It's her job to give notes. Yeah. yeah. And she like, I'm fully dyslexic. We've talked about this before. Right. And I am fully aware that I need an editor and, and I need someone like her too, because she's also a friend. Yeah. And (laughs) like, I need her in those moments though. I was like, I'm not ready to publish this one yet. I just feel weird about it. And it was nothing really against on the work that she did to my work. It was just like, Ooh, this feels weird. (laughs) Well, I bet your subconscious is running through all of the times that you felt insufficient or that you said something wrong or that something was misunderstood and it takes on that whole onslaught of feelings. And it's like, Ooh, now I'm judging everything I do. This is fun. Yeah. And I didn't want to get to that space. So I, I literally was like, that's when you put it. My therapist says to put it in a box and we'll (laughs) revisit it when we're ready. And you don't have to let that ruin everything. You can just put it in the box. And when you're ready to, to come back to it, you can. Yeah. And I think that's important. I, Mm -hmm. and it is important to come back to it and I will when I'm ready. Yeah. Honestly, criticism is something that's really hard for most people to handle. I think no one likes to be criticized. It, you know, it brings back all of those times in childhood to me when my dad, my, I mean, my dad literally constantly criticizes. That's all he does. And we'd love to go to dinner, <laughs> bring you to dinner with us one time. Oh gosh. <laughs> Just to get a visual. Um, but this is one of the reasons I keep him around is because it helps me see like 
I can lie all day and say that that voice is not mean in my head, but I'm here to tell you the second I get triggered, that voice turns from like this nurturing mom to this sick asshole in my head. That's just pointing out all of my flaws, calling me an imposter, calling me a fraud. And that's all my dad's inner critic. And that was bestowed onto me because of being Mm. raised by him. And that's everything that Chris and I are working on. Like Chris has to know that his like, complaining and his like negative jokes that he always does is negatively impacting Tatum. He's going to take that voice on if he doesn't become more aware of it, but it's so hard. That means you have to meet your ego. Honestly, we looked at each other and we're like, you need hot yoga. You you need, mm. that's what, that's what's wrong. Like he just needs hot yoga and everything will be back to normal. <laughs> I mean, every, I think everybody needs yoga and right. even, you know, the best of Christians that I know need yoga, the best of other people that I can think of, you know, like the atheist and the, um, you know, like some Jewish friends and I like everybody needs yoga. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not. And I think this is where I come back to like my personal, you know, what I'm working through that shows up a lot in my book is yoga isn't about, yeah, it started in the Buddhism, Hinduism community, but it's, it's not about that religion. It's a, it is about spirituality, right. Right. And connection to yourself and how you move through life. And that's why yoga is such a beautiful thing, especially for doing that inner work Mm -hmm. is because when you get it, Oh, hang on. Yeah. Oh, okay. So spiritual, yeah, but all the spirituality. Yeah. And mm-hmm. doing the inner work and discovering who we are at our core and discover like me for me, I've had to discover who I am at my core to be confident in that. And yoga has helped me tremendously. I mm-hmm. I, I started practicing yoga. Um gosh, okay, how old am I now? 33. And um I was 17 when I started practicing yoga. Oh, wow. So yeah, do the math. I can't right now. I can't, but (laughs) many years, many moons. Wow. And I I think back to my first yoga class. It was a Bikram class in Dallas, Mm -hmm. Texas. And I did Bikram because my basketball coach said, you have to cross train, try spinning, try yoga. Okay. So what do I do? I'm like, okay, I'll do both. (laughs) And I go all at it. Attic behavior, attic behavior. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing. It means you're going to be super successful. I hope so. I really manifesting that... I have to say back to what we were saying in the beginning, that monetize, whatever that... the, The one you put out there that said monetizing something that mm-hmm. was the one I almost clicked on, but I had to make like five phone calls and I'm like, I just want to listen to my podcast. That's so interesting. Cause that's, yeah. again, like I said, that that's was the your one most, that has the most, the most views it, for my eyes went straight to it. I'm like, Ooh, I want to know what she has to say about that, but I have to call mm-hmm. the doctor's office first. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. You know, I'm doing the, uh, I'm doing a three part series right now. I'm doing the I uh, saw that the, the Niyamas and Niyamas. Niyamas. I cannot wait to listen to that one. And then today I want to record if I have time later on like my conclusion of yeah. all three, you know, just the both of them and, you know, my perspective and whatever on all of it. Right. So I love that's that. my hope is to today conclude on all of that. Yeah. 
Awesome. Monetize and create. I don't know. It'll happen. I'm man. I'm manifesting that. Hey, it's going to happen. Chris is manifesting shit left and right. I've never seen anything like it. It is. I think he was always scared of his inner light and that he knew that he could be really bright and shiny, but his dad was an NFL football player. So he never wanted to outshine his dad. So he's always played it small. And the second, like, that's honestly how we lost his dad recently, about three years ago, was Chris took a different job that his dad was against. And his dad stopped talking to us and literally broke up with us because Chris changed jobs. Yeah. And was direct competition to him selling cabinets. Yeah. Um, Instead of making double what he was making before and being happy for his son, he looked at him as competition and wanted to eat him alive because I guess that's what NFL players were trained to do in the seventies. I don't really know. Uh, Maybe it's the concussions. I don't, I don't really know, but what's, what's the wife's excuse. What's the stepmom's excuse. Like she doesn't have that many concussions and she's driving the the loony train. So she's the one that I'm guarantee you. She's the one that dropped off the car seat base and the pet rock with the picture and the, like you broke up with my child. You broke, you left my car seat. Like that's how you pick up my child. You can't pick up my child without that. So you're saying you don't, don't want to pick up my child anymore because your son took a different job. It's the most bizarre, but like, this is our narcissist. Like I might be talking about narcissism in my friendships and things like that, that have happened to me, but I am 100% always talking about the parents in our life. We have, we come from narcissists in my family and it is everything Mm. in our power to make sure that children don't come from narcissists and in ways I've overcorrected and in ways Chris has overcorrected and all of this is possible because of sobriety. All of this is where we are going to break generational trauma. We are going to do this. Like it's going to happen. Um, but it starts with healing ourselves. And back to what you were talking earlier about healing. I, I align with all of the properties of what someone would be called a healer, but I could never, ever under God's green earth, call myself a healer. I don't, have magical powers. I might call sobriety a superpower, but that's sobriety, not me. I'm not a superpower. You know, it's more, I get to use that superpower if I use my self-control, but I could easily not have it. I don't, I don't know. Um, I think a healer can be in many different forms. It doesn't have to be like, put your hands on someone's shoulders and their body. I just want to trigger healing. I just want, I just want my stories to trigger healing in people. And sometimes that trigger is going to take them down a negative road and they're going to think that I'm a gossip and they're going to think that I'm a bad person, but I can't manage the perception of others. And I have no intention to, they can think that I do all those things. That's a low blow for a hairstylist to be personal, to be honest. Like that's just silly to say that about me. I, I'm just simply trying to connect with people. I'm not, not trying to connect with trauma. I'm, I'm trying to say, well, you know, this is my experience with this. Everything that I say is from personal experience or a client that had personal experience that is, that knows that I share stories to help others. I don't share stories to gossip ever. It is always within a sacred bond of a friendship that I share stories. And it is always with the person's knowledge that I'm going to share a story. It is never, if it's not, it's, you don't know names. You don't know who these people are. If I'm telling a story, Oh, I know someone that like, I, I know somebody that has admitted to me, they've gone through years of 
life without emotions, not narcissism, but just like going through the, the, the motions. And that's something so many, yeah, that's something so many people can relate with. So to know that someone that I know and love is going through something like that. And then someone in my chair is telling me that they're, they feel like they can't connect with anyone and that they're just going through the the motions. I'm going to say, I know somebody else. It's like that. I have a client. I have a person that has that, that same feeling. They definitely know. I might not be able to feel that with you because I haven't felt that. Actually, I have felt that. So that's not a very good example. But <laughs> point being, you know, like we we don't heal in isolation. We heal in community. And I want literally my own only goal in life is to have a safe community of people that are willing to share their stories because this is a safe community to share them. You know, everyone, like my motto, everyone brings something to the table. Everybody has a story to share and I want to hear it all, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think those stories have so much power if you share Mm -hmm. them, you know, because they can maybe help somebody else. Right. Right. I totally agree. I don't want anyone to ever live in shame for their stories either. They should be shouting their stories on the mountaintop. Like everybody should be starting a podcast. If you've ever talked to me, I think you should start a podcast. I want to be in a podcast. Let's all do this. Come on. Uh, You just should start like inviting people on your podcast. Just be like, you have a great story to share. Come share I do that. I do that all the time, but then we never execute. First of all, you're going to have to teach me how to do this because I don't know how to do this. Um, so I was doing it the Instagram way and it was really bad and it was not working. So I couldn't really like publish any of that, you know, I couldn't yeah. really. We published our Instagram one and I think it ended up being fine. And, yeah. you know, it got I, one yeah. of the most views it, on mine. So right. how many views does it have? I can't mm, remember. I don't know. I can look it up though. Yeah. I don't have that many views by the way, but <laughs> I don't uh, let me see. Okay. So I'm scared to get out of this screen. Okay. So I have 213 plays on Castbox total though. So, and then let me go down to yours. Let's see. That is so awesome. Okay. Castbox doesn't tell me how many views our collaboration session has, but on my other version, if I go down... So it's a little different on this other play. Uh, did you do? Hang on. Did Doesn't you figure sh- out how to do Spotify or uh, uh, iTunes? Yeah, I'm using Anchor to do iTunes. And oh, you can do Anchor and iTunes? Yep. Uh, okay, so Anchor gives you the RSS feed, which CastBox wouldn't... I couldn't find my RSS feed on CastBox. And oh. RSS, the RSS feed is what you need to submit to iTunes. Okay. Yeah. So once if you pile them onto Anchor, then you can get that RSS feed and Anchor literally just puts them onto iTunes for you. So every time that you place one into Anchor, once you've connected to iTunes, it goes... It disperses. Anchor disperses it it to everywhere. I'm not even kidding. They have so so many... They have so many platforms that they disperse you to. Okay. Let me see. Yeah. 15 plays on Collaboration Sesh. Okay. Um, with the two of us. So for me, that's one of my highest. Okay. Um, and my monetize and create is 11 plays. My average though is only like, like five to seven. That's my average. Yeah. That's so exciting. People don't know how to find podcasts. They really just don't. We got to start advertising. We need to do a click funnel. 
You should yeah. come. <laughs> oh, I, I should bring that thing. Yeah, you should bring it over. I am so we not ready. 97 plays on my collaboration sesh. Oh, nice. 97, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. How did you view your plays on CastBox? On the main page where all my things are, it's there's literally a heart. No one has hearted them. One person hearted my align one. Hmm. I don't really know where the like thing is on CastBox. My sober oh, story gosh. got oh. a lot. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, because I'm still in creator studio. That might be why. Okay. Hang on. I ended up sleeping in the bed with Teddy last night. Don't you love it? I mean, I told Chris that I solely did that out of selfish reasons. Yeah, I still can't see how many plays. I think because I'm logged in or something. Huh. Oh, I'm also looking on the computer too. So that might. I have something to do. I'm with on it. the computer. Chris got some some hits on his sober story. Yeah, you should tell him. Let's see. Yeah, I don't really have, and I'm okay with it because I'm not. I'm really trying to. I'm not putting it on Facebook. I'm not putting it really on Instagram. I am, but I'm not yeah. like telling yeah, it. You got to run some ads. Do Instagram everybody. ads would be a great place. Uh, I'm just not ready. No. <laughs> You're not ready to be seen? No, not yet. That's okay. (laughs) You got to do that in the organic moment. Yeah, I just, I want to do it when I'm ready, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, I still can't. I don't know. Hmm, That's weird. I don't know. I mean, see, so it says like two, well, I don't know if you can see that. It says like (laughs) 213 total, but it doesn't tell me per, I don't know. I might talk too much about God, though. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> How do I get this back up? Is exit minimize video what I'm supposed to hit? Oh, for oh, Zoom? Yeah. <laughs> there we you go. You got it? Okay. Yeah. Sorry, okay, so like, you ooh. have to download Zoom onto your computer. Do you have it already? I think so. I okay. did it all through um, quarantine. Uh, maybe I didn't download it. I'll do this later. We don't need to do this now. Yeah. So, (laughs) so, you know, it's okay. Um, So you'll download Zoom and then you'll just create, you can create a scheduled meeting. Like if you, if you schedule something with somebody, create that scheduled meeting and the alert will pop up on your computer or your phone if you have it on your phone. And then, you know, you go to that meeting and then you record from there. And then at the end of the meeting, after you stop the recording, it literally has the two files. It'll do all the files. It'll do the video and it'll do the audio together. And then it'll do the audio separate. Oh, cool. Um, which what I did. So what I did when I went to edit the last one, what were we talking about? Um, I don't know. Okay. We went off on a tangent. We did we go off really... on a tangent. Let's try to get back it's where we were. Cause I, I remember I had something to say about all the spiritualities in yoga. We mm, can pick that okay. up there. Let's pick it back up at yoga. Okay. So what I didn't know, I hadn't actually had no idea for years until I knew this girl, um, whose mom was a, like a, one of those Bible beating Christians that forces it on everybody. And that like judges everybody. She's like the reason people hate the, the word Christian. Um, I had no idea, but she's one of those that believes that yoga is like of the devil. It's like, I'm sorry, what? That's like where I found God. That's like, are you sure that wasn't me? Cause we've had this conversation. (laughs) I, I, well, we have talked about it, but, um, 
No, no, this, wait, what do you mean was you? Yeah, my mom literally still thinks that to the day. Oh, your mom thinks that too. No, 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 this woman had like such bad back pain. I'm like, well, you'd need fucking yoga. Like if you went to yoga, you'd be fine. Just go ahead and be in pain. Like, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Pray it away, people. Yoga doesn't, yoga does both for you mentally and physically. And does everything. I was like, I was like, it does all of the things spiritually, yeah. mentally, physically, emotionally. It makes me a wholehearted person. I don't think I would be a wholehearted person without hot yoga. I'm really missing it. Yeah. Well, we're back next week. I know. I need to sign up for all my classes today. Yes, you do. I'm going to have to do some 6 a.m. classes. So because of quarantine, we our schedule is so whack and we are all over the place. But we do have to start dropping off at, at 8.30 now. So maybe mm. I can make the 9.15s since I have to drop off at 8.30. Yeah. Well, it's, for a minute um, there, I didn't know I had to drop like, until this morning. I didn't know how to drop off at, at eight 30. I thought like my, our old school was before 10 AM. So as long as we were there before 10 AM and that gives Chris a long time to sleep in, like he's like thoroughly enjoying the sleeping in that is in our drinking days. We used to sleep till noon oh, almost every day. Yeah. It was, <sighs> we were up late. We, and I, I would work till 9 PM. I had like a bunch of service industry people that would come after work. And I now work one late night a week and I'm closed for business at night. Like I have a family. Things have to change. You have to evolve or you will die slowly inside. Yeah, right. You don't change with the times. <laughs> Not only do kids change you, but you have to evolve with the kids. You don't have a choice. <laughs> you don't have a choice. It's, I mean, evolve or die out there. Yeah. So yoga, hot yoga for life. Always. I always go back to hot yoga <laughs> in all things. <laughs> yeah. Hot yoga is really amazing. I, I think yoga in general is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, you know, I've gone through cycles in and out of my yoga experience and... Well, yeah, you've been doing it so long. <laughs> yeah. You know, I the one yoga that I know I need to do more of is restorative or yen oh, or gentle. Oh, okay. Like all three yeah. of those. I know right. that because I have been doing it for so long that I need to slow down sometimes right. too. Right. And I don't really allow myself that space to, because when I do have the opportunity to do yoga, I want to do something that's going to challenge me. Yeah. And I think that comes with my personality Addict behavior. too. Addict behavior. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully it gets me somewhere. <laughs> right, right. Um, you're so funny. I know that I took your class solid for at minimum a year. I don't mm-hmm. even, I don't remember how long you did. it was. I freaking loved your class because I always had the opportunity to get my ass kicked, but then you always allowed me the space to do my own thing when, cause I was really postpartum in your class and I couldn't yeah. do a lot of the things. And if I had taken your class years ago, before I met my ego, before all of that, I would have, Oh my God, am I about to tell the story? <gasps> sure. Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. This is happening. So I reject it. Just do it. Okay. Um, my most embarrassing moment, and this is in my book. This was the the first place I didn't know I was going to talk about it. I don't know if I'm ready to hear it. <laughs> so, um, January 1st, 2017. So my, my son was born February, 2016. So almost a year 
um, postpartum. And I was working out. I'd lost the weight, looking good, doing fine, all the things, feeling fine or whatever. And I was in hot yoga one day and I had been like dabbling with falling back in love with it because I had done it pre-sobriety and I loved it, but I never, I never made the time for it because it's a 90 minute class. You really just need a lot of time. Um, and I just never made space for it. I was always working in the nighttime and I wasn't awake in the morning times and whatever. Excuses, excuses. So I was dabbling with falling back in love with hot yoga and I went on January 1st and I was at this point three years sober. No, two years sober. So I'm in yoga. It's January 1st. All these people are smelling like alcohol. I'm super proud of myself. I'm super non-judgy. I don't care what they're doing. I'm just like into my yoga practice. And I go to lift my leg for, you know, we're in down dog and then we lift our leg and I suck up air and then we (laughs) go into warrior two and I expel air from what used to be my baby's womb um, area. And I had no idea that that was ever a possibility that that could happen in the middle of a class. (laughs) Not not aware of it. And it did. (laughs) This sweet girl, like when it happened, went boom, boom. Like she couldn't help but look at me and I died. I died inside. It was my most embarrassing. I queefed in the middle, like loudly in the middle of a hot yoga class. And I remember laying on the ground and we did like a floor series because it was a super restorative class being January 1st. And like we did, there was a lot of twists and the instructor like later on in the class says, there's a lot of twists and, and we all, you know, may have done more, you know, drank more last night. Like I'm fucking sober. I did nothing last night. I was asleep at eight. I had a baby (laughs) and that was a beef and I didn't know that could happen. (laughs) I since know that I have diastasis recti and that, you know, is something that I have to be very, very, very aware of. And it's something that's taking freaking forever to heal. But that day I dedicated my life to hot yoga because if I didn't die in that class, then I could survive anything. And so then I went head first into this yoga experience. I thought I was going to get yoga certified, but then God literally like picked me up and said, no, like you just love yoga. Like don't, that's not not that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then put, you know, I, I felt even deeper in love with yoga that knowing that I didn't have anywhere to go with it, but inward. Um, and I just went on this whole journey of healing myself and it's taking years. Like this is not an overnight thing. I've been doing this. You've been doing it a really long time, but I've only been doing uh, it since 2017, I guess, four years, five, I don't know how many of it, three. Oh, yeah. more- you know, there's a song by Trevor Hall that says you can't rush your healing. Yeah. And, you know, and it li- it literally says darkness has its teaching. But I, mm-hmm. I believe that just life, there's so much in life, dark or light. Right. That has teaching. And right. any little bit of trauma that comes up, I view is that's a dark time or that's a darker side of life that that comes up, you know, and you ebb yeah. and flow in and out of the dark and the light. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you remain in the dark. I have remained in the dark longer than in the light. And anyway, the point is, is that it has its teaching. The lightness without the dark, <laughs> the light yeah. without the darkness. Oh my God, I can't talk. I mean, it it works both ways. Right, right, And right. honestly, I still come back to, I mean, there's good and there's evil in this world. and 
there is always going to be. Right. And we can't manage it. We can't spend a a single second managing the good and evil in this world. All we can do is manage ourselves. Yeah. And, and I think accept that it exists, Mm -hmm. accept what happens. And I think that's a huge part of what yoga teaches us Mm -hmm. that no, no religion or, you know, Bible study could have taught me. I had to learn that through yoga. I had to learn that through learning myself. And that, that is overall the nutshell of the inner work that I had to do. Mm -hmm. Like, and it started a long time ago and I didn't realize that's what you were doing. That that's what I was doing mm-hmm. until really 10 years into it, you yeah. know, and with technology and the ability to share, like, right. That's when I learned that that's what I was doing. When someone else put labels to it, when I found like Brene Brown and the holistic psychologist and all these people that share mm-hmm. these, you know, from a doctor's perspective, I'm like, Oh, that's what this is. This is what I've been doing this whole time. I had no idea. Yeah, you've been doing the work. Yeah. And the work sometimes is the work sometimes is really hard. And then sometimes it's really easy. Sometimes you're like, why didn't I see that before? Right. You know, sometimes like my... it's literally like blinders were there and then they're not. And it's like, mm-hmm. really? Oh, honey. <laughs> yeah. My like lesson that I had to learn last May, I I did not realize how much in the dark that I was. And then I was yeah. and then once I stepped out of it, I was like, wow. Yeah. That was bad. That was really, really bad. And I'm so glad that I have learned so many little lessons along that path that I can take with me and carry with me. And And now you know how to protect yourself in the future. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have to believe... Well, and what I learned is I have to believe in myself. That no one else can do that for me. I have Mm -hmm. to believe in myself. I have to be myself at my core Mm -hmm. and know that that's, that's who I'm supposed to be. Right. Right. That's how I'm supposed to live it out. And you know, it's those little pricks that my husband gives me sometimes. And I think I've mentioned this are, are like, Oh, what, how are you going to do that? And again, that's how monetize and create came about. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to do it. It's going to happen eventually because I'm doing the work and this feels part of what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. Until something really lands. And then it's, I know from deep within my soul, it's going to land and we're going to be, I don't know. I want to say running for the hills, but that's, that's more like running away. I'm looking for the right phrase. (laughs) Um, I think running on the beach at sunset to happiness, like frolicking on the beach. And that's all I want to do. I want to connect with other humans. And then I want to connect with my family and I like, not in that order, but you know, like in a day, that's, that's what I want life to be like all about connection. I spent well over a decade disconnecting. I, every time I took a sip of alcohol, my subconscious was trying to disconnect myself. Mm. My subconscious was trying to make sure that that never was seen or felt or heard again. Um, and so every step in sobriety brings me closer to that, to my authentic self. You know, I didn't drink alcohol in, in fourth grade. So, you know, I gotta find her. (laughs) I'm on a mission to find her. She's in there. She's, she's mostly playing, but there's still some of those lingering, um, thought patterns that I'm still breaking, but I'm here to say we're, we're slaughtering generational trauma. My husband, I just like, I just can't even with him. Oops. Sorry. I kicked it. Um, 
I'm just so proud of him. He's letting me bring to awareness. It's hard. It's getting easier, but he's letting me bring to awareness his, um, toxic traits that he still needs to work on. Like, dude, just because you're sober, just because you have a great job, just because you're doing all these things doesn't mean you've healed your inner child. (laughs) You still have to do that, honey. And it only comes out when you're triggered and you're bleeding on my babies. And I need you to like, look in the mirror when you do that next time. And remember who taught you to say that. And remember that you were not that person and that you get to consciously choose how you want to respond to your baby. If that's even in silence, it's better than what you're doing right now, honey. I don't know what to tell you, but you got to stop. Yeah. And I know it comes from a disciplinary action and I, I don't want to have no discipline. I don't want to have no boundaries. I want boundaries, but we can't have codependency and we won't have codependency in our household anymore. Um, and it's going to take Chris breaking that he needs yoga. Like literally he just needs yoga. He would have stopped this. You know, he would have seen it already. Every Tatum's getting older and every phase brings all these new epiphanies and that's the current epiphany. And he has already like put his arms around me and thanked me and, and promised to be more affectionate and be more like, so here's the problem. Tatum is hitting me and being mean to me. And I think it's because Chris is mean to me. I, I, and I just tolerate it. I think he's not mean to me, but he's just short and snippy and has a shitty attitude because he's stressed about money and he's stressed about this. And he's stressed. He is every so valid to have those feelings, but your child's not responsible for making you happy. Your child doesn't need to perform to make you happy. You know, Tatum pointed out, like Chris had a huge sale or a huge contract happen. And Tatum, I walk in and Tatum looks at me and goes, Dada's happy. And I should, I need to ask him that this is okay to, to say the story. Um, but he's usually of the same idea that like all of our stories can be shareable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, Tatum points out that like Dada's really happy. And yes, Dada's celebrating something. Um, but Dada's mood does not need to be changed dependent on money or sales or, and it's hard. It's hard when you're working from home and home is right here when you're going through the emotions, right? <laughs> tell me your yeah. feedback. Tell me what to tell him. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really have any, I feel like my husband and he worries about the same stuff, worries about yeah. money, worries about doing a good job at work, worries, you know, and I, I have the ability to really just work part time and I don't have to stress as much because he takes care of all that. And yeah, but I mean, he's in the same, he's in the same boat and he has those quick reactions and he's not fully ready to hang out with the kids or fully ready right. to give them the attention that they want. Right. And so rightfully deserve you know, right. and Chris overgives that attention mm-hmm. and then looks at me like I'm the one that's not giving them. I'm like, dude, I, I give steady love. I don't give these bursts of like explosion running around in circles. That's not the kind of parent I am. And that's okay. Yeah. I think you should be more consistent with your love. It shouldn't be a, if you're playing with me, I love you. And you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, I think, I think we're definitely on like the opposite pendulum, if you will, of right. than you all. Um, I mean, I, I play with my kids a lot. I color with my kids. I, I take oh, I breaks color. more than I, I used to, that. you know, I just don't like, run I around <laughs> close myself in my closet and I, Yay, good I for swing, you. I play with them. I chase them. Like I do all that, do all that stuff. And I, 
pre-quarantine, like we would go to parks, we would go to splash pads, pools, like, you know, I'm, I'm very active with my kids and I like to be, and then quarantine happened and I just spent more quality, like one-on-one FaceTime with them. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, they're so attached to me and they won't let go. Like, Daniel, will you please just take them for a second? Go do something with them. And, you know, his response to me is, well, they're only attached to you when you and I are both home. And then when you're not home, they're attached to me. And I'm like, you know, and and I think, again, I think my situation is just so night and day compared to yours that I just don't really have... I want to have good advice that I don't um, (laughs) because I, I feel like they are part of my job. Like, so I take it, I take that on as my job is to take care of them, take care of the house. And you know, it's, it's different. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's just different. different. And you know, I, I want to scream at my husband sometimes because I like, please just love on them, but he has a different role. He has that financial burden. Yeah. And I don't know. know. Not that Chris over loves, but he's, he's a, A, he's extra, but I am too. So I'm not judging him. Right. Um, We're both a little extra, which is probably why I have a podcast. (laughs) You know what? I don't think you can be too extra. I don't think you can love your kids too much. Right. Right. And that's not what I mean. Yeah. But he, um, he gives these, he's, he's, we ride the emotional roller coaster with him is just what it is. Like, depending on what's going on, he's, his, I, I just wish we had more stability in emotions that it was like, regardless of what was going on at work, leave work at home or leave work at work and have home be home. But it's hard when you work from home. I don't know. I don't, it's, we're still in a transition phase. We just have to be aware. I just, I, we see the behavioral problem and it has, something mm-hmm. has to change. And that's, that's the name. And Chris agrees, something has to change. Like he sees it too. He's not blind. He sees right. that it's a problem. Um, but this is, I mean, we have the best therapist on the planet. So we're going to call her. I should call her after we hang up and get some expert advice on what the next, like at least Chris is aware that his, you know, mood is changing. The goal is to not let my kids feel like they are responsible for daddy's emotions. They're responsible for keeping daddy in that happy state. You know, if his Mm. emotions were more steady, then they wouldn't have to feel responsible for the highs and lows is what I understand. I I study psychology. I'm not a psychologist. I am not a therapist. I'm not anything but a hairstylist, but, and, and eager to understand my children's brain and prevent trauma because life is fucking traumatizing enough. So I don't want to pause it myself. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of children. Hi. Hi. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure like your painted picture and, and what that means. But I think the important thing that you could do is to help remind your kids like, Hey, like, Sorry, Chris just opened the door. <laughs> You're like, no, go away. <laughs> what are you doing? I need a sign that says in progress or something. Or on <laughs> yeah. Sorry, what were you saying? I was so into it too. Uh, you know, for me, so what I do. So like when my husband comes home, he needs like an hour to decompress. Okay. Yeah. And typically, and that's right now, right now he's been working 40 hours a week and then been on call every third day. So, but still he's coming home every night and he, he needs about, he needs about a half hour to decompress right now. But when he's on a 24 hour shift, a full shift and he comes home in the morning, he needs like 
at least an hour, but typically three. Um, <laughs> I would hope he's sleeping. Uh, no, no. no. It's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that he just has to like zone out and, yeah. and kind of, you know, just relevel him. Yeah. yeah. Decompress, just relevel yeah. himself. And I get Regroup. it. Like mm. they see, they see a lot and it, I mean, if you think about healing trauma and doing the work you guys are doing from your life trauma, like think about all those instances and traumas that they see on a regular basis. And so that's his 24 hour experience. And, you know, now it's a little different right now. He doesn't need as long. He's more at a desk. And anyway, so my husband went to a seminar in Pensacola where he heard from a firefighter wife that got up on stage and she had written this book about being a firefighter wife and she gets up on stage and she does this like hour long seminar. And one of the things that my husband really took away was, Hey wife, I think I need this. And they had this pact where she would give firefighter husband that X amount of space. And, and she would remind the kids like, Hey, you know, daddy just needs a minute. Daddy just needs however long, or she would take the kids somewhere else and then bring them back. And then the interaction is totally different. And I'm not saying this is exactly what you're dealing with, but I know that for me with my children, I let daddy have his, his space and his time because he comes home from work, for example, and he's coming into family um, after dealing with now the role he's in, after dealing with all these adults that <laughs> are learning how to do their job, okay, yes. and do their job well, and he has to oversee them, so he has to deal with all that, and then he has to come home and and be dad mm-hmm. and have to deal with these you know young kids, and so I, I think for me, I'm not exactly sure what you're dealing with, but for me, my best advice would be to figure out the best way for you all to work out a dynamic where the kids aren't in the middle of his work or the kids aren't Mm -hmm. in the middle of his stresses and his triggers because that can really collide things. And I've noticed for Daniel, like if he had a really hard day and it's really overwhelming, the best thing that I can do is take the kids outside. Mm -hmm. And, And then we come back in half an hour to an hour. Right. And distract or distract them with a TV show or whatever it is, you know, just remove, remove that that contact. So good of not only you for honoring that, but for him for. Mommy, look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what were you saying? (laughs) Um, Dang, I had it a second ago. My point, I think my point was, is figure out how you guys can share the space. You talk about how you're tag team a lot. Yeah. And you tag in and tag out. Mm-hmm. That's definitely a good tool. But figure right. out how you can do it more so that you know his work working from home environment is is almost like somehow figure out how it can be a sacred space for him to work from right. home. And we we do that for the most part. It's just freaking hard. It's hard. Like right now, one kid's not in daycare because daycare doesn't have a space for her. So there's you know yesterday I got home from a long day at work and he recognized that he needed a minute to regroup. And he was like, I'm going to run to the gas station. He still dips and he was going to get a can of dip. And we realized that the HelloFresh box didn't come, whether like I ended up calling and talking to them about it, but it usually is delivered on Mondays and we eat HelloFresh Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we either eat out or prepare for the other nights. Um, 
and it, it works for us, but our HelloFresh box wasn't here and we didn't have dinner plans and we weren't prepared to not have HelloFresh. We just kind of assumed if it didn't come on Monday for the holiday, it would come Tuesday, but it didn't. Um, so we had to make a last minute decision and we went and got five guys and you know, one kid's uh, for some reason, there's always a kid screaming. <laughs> what were we saying? You're saying that he recognized that he needed to take a break. And so uh, he went to yeah, the gas station. And- it, but no, he didn't go to the gas station. We then realized that we didn't have dinner plans. And so we all loaded up in the car. And for some reason, there's always one kid screaming. Like if one kid's not happy, one kid's happy and then the other kid's pissed and then the other kid gets happy and then the other kid gets pissed. I don't, I oh, just you're don't. in that stage. No, yes. that's, that's a stage. It's, <laughs> I, I know. And we're gritting and bearing and it happened through quarantine and we are sober. And I would just like to say, if anyone is giving out awards, we deserve some. <laughs> so in the car, he looks at me and he's like, I'm going to blow, I'm going to blow. And like, when that happens, it's like, he's going to turn into his dad. Basically, he's going to turn into the monster. He doesn't want to be, he has no control over him because he hasn't met his ego yet and he hasn't embraced his ego yet. So he's not able to like contain the monster. And when he gets super pissed, he's just like, blah, everybody's death, death, death. I don't know. <laughs> it's just not pretty. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, so that's my husband and I, I love my husband, um, but that's definitely, he just blows. He's not even consciously yeah. aware that what? he's about to, he just does mm-hmm. it. So we're working on the being consciously aware before, because I'm not going to do this any, if I can do it, if I can keep ugly uncle Ben under wraps, like if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> Yeah, man that nobody should ever have to like I literally yelled at this guy that got hurt the other day in front of my children because he did a backflip in in the pool and and he's lucky that my angels were right there and pushed him so that his head didn't get like he should have smashed his head we watched the video it literally happened at 12 12 and there's no reason that he didn't smash his head open and all he did was break his foot or I don't remember what he did dislocated his foot that's wild Uh, Right. Right. And we saw the video in slow motion. It was crazy, but literally live action, what happened? And this is still something I'm working on. And I literally announced it to like mostly strangers. And so he gets hurt and he comes up for air and I immediately yell, Oh my God, are you okay? And he answers. And then I start, I then start yelling at him. (laughs) Who the fuck yells at someone that just got hurt? Hey, Oh no. I'm like, I, I think I yelled something. Can we please not fucking traumatize my kids today? <sighs> I literally Daddy. made it about me. Yeah. But I was pissed. He's drunk. Or actually, he wasn't even drunk. He was drunk the day before when he did this miraculous flip and thought he could impress us and do something like that. And he was like in the video, he's like looking at my kids, trying to impress my kids that he can do this flip, mm. but doesn't want to like hurt them or splash them or whatever went through his head. And like my asshole self in my triggered moment said that. And then I literally immediately after go, I'm so sorry. I'm yelling at you. <laughs> you realize Are you, you okay? woke up. <sighs> Conscious. You almost died. Oh yeah. I immediately, I immediately witnessed it. I'm like, I'm so sorry. This is clearly what happened to me as a child. There we go. We're witnessing within and there's the full circle conversation. (laughs) So good. Bringing it home. Bringing it home. Good story to bring it home. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is about 
pausing and recognizing where we are. Right. And not judging myself for behaving like that. I don't choose to behave like that. That's how someone chose. That's how someone behaved around me. And I I have to be accountable for it. Pretending like it didn't happen is gaslighting my, my friends. (laughs) Like if I were to just be like, that never happened. That would be like silently gaslighting you. Like I didn't do that. I'm not that kind of person. No, no, no. I'm going to call my ass out and say, I yell at people when they get hurt. I'm so sorry. I'm changing it. I swear. Yeah. I mean, I've had my moments. I think we all do. It's, It's those little unconscious moments that happen. And you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? I can't believe I just did that. Right. And the accountability is everything. Just be accountable. Accountability is everything. And then when you recognize it, you're like, I did that. Yeah. Yeah, that was me. That's how I, that's how I I'm so sorry. You know, I've never claimed to be mature. (laughs) (laughs) It gets me out of a lot. Yeah. My husband still calls me a kid. Uh, I am a kid. I don't yeah. know why I have kids. Like I'm working on it. I'm growing up, but it, you literally mm. have to reparent yourself to adulthood. I don't think there's any other way. I, I think don't... that's why there's like 70 year old men dating 30 year old women. They, they're still a <laughs> child in their brain. Like that's the only thing that logically makes sense to me. They physically don't see how wrong that is. <laughs> Cause in their head, they're still 16. Sowing their oats. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. sorry. No, I'm definitely soapbox. still a child. Yeah. I don't ever want to lose that childlike spirit though. No. I want to have faith like a child. I want to play like a child. Like there are parts of the child that I'm trying to get back to, but I don't want to make decisions like a child. I don't want to behave like a child in in situations that require me to be my highest self. I want to be my Mm -hmm. highest self, which requires me embracing my inner child and loving her through this journey. To be honest, you just saying that I feel like I'm definitely in that space where I am a child, right? I play Mm -hmm. like a child. I love like a child. Mm -hmm. I am free as a child. Right. At the same time, I'm so consciously aware and awake. I do adult things. I that just really allowed me. So thank you to feel pretty good in that moment. Nice, yay! Um, and you know, it's it's. I have to say, it. I've not always been like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I still have to own my shit. I still catch myself in those moments. Yeah, I don't always right? own my shit. Sometimes I hope that people just have amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard. It's hard Man. to call yourself out. It's and I literally Gosh. have to get used to calling myself out. And it helps I, to have a marriage where you feel safe to call each other out because sometimes it's easier to call the other person out. But if they're not in a safe space, then it's just being a dick. And I don't want to be a dick, but I want to bring awareness. I don't want you to judge yourself. Don't judge yourself, but observe, observe your behavior, observe why. I mean, yeah. I had to apologize to a friend yesterday. You know, I had to say (laughs) I completely unloaded and I realized again, some things that I still had to work through because I completely talked bad about somebody else that we worked with. You know, I realized in that, uh, like almost immediately in that moment, I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this. And then I, I walked away and I was like, I'm, I'm talking to you as a friend. Right. And I'm telling her this. And, and then I walked away and I was like, holy crap, I'm so sorry. I said that. 
Like I am still learning to not say those things because I don't need that per that person that I was talking about doesn't deserve to be talked bad about. Right. 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 At all. And I did it. And (laughs) I said like an hour later, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm still learning. <laughs> You're so sweet. And she I just think anybody that knows you knows you don't mean it in a malicious way that it, I mean, shit happens. Sometimes we talk shit. Like it's, it's okay. It like, don't judge yourself. It happened. You, uh, you apologized for it. You recognized it and don't beat yourself up anymore. It's okay. I think that's what I mean though is, yeah. you know, I still have my moments. Yeah. I still, I'm not always aware, fully adult and aware. You can't always be aware. That's impossible. That's like, again, it's physically impossible. Coming back full circle. We are all human. Right, we all make right. mistakes. And if, if you're going to be in my life, you know, <laughs> it has to be a safe relationship. It's it, like, I require safety at the absolute very least. Now, if I don't feel safe with someone, I am speaking up immediately. So I hope you find solace in like Myra. I would feel very safe confiding in Myra. If I had to say something. Oh, I, I, I definitely feel good safe. Company. Right, I definitely right. feel safe with her. I, I just was like, Ooh, I still should right. have done you that. Still, <laughs> yep, you still took accountability <laughs> like, said, yeah, oh. I do that too. I put my foot in my mouth sometimes so bad. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God, I should never be allowed to talk. (laughs) Let me speak today. This is not okay. I think this comes with being an empath. Like we feel all the feels Mm -hmm. and somehow we got to let it out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So that we don't take it on. Right. And I know that I know for me, if I am vocal about it, Mm-hmm. and I use my words, then I feel better. And I don't yeah. take it on. If I, when I have bottled it up inside, that's when I usually explode. That's right. when I'm usually like, okay, done. Yeah. yeah. And it's a mad explosion. You don't want right. to see that. Nobody right. wants to see that. Nobody, Nobody wants, wants to see, to see that. that. I am a mad, first of all, I am a quarter Puerto Rican and there is no denying that when I'm angry, (laughs) like the Puerto Rican asshole comes right out. It is yucky. And not that I want to, I used to shove that person down and like be so ashamed of my darkness. And now that I know what I know, I know that if I embrace that darkness and if I know that my ego was solely trying to keep me safe. I can look at myself with non-judgment and non-attachment and be able to cherry pick what I want to keep and get rid of and all that. Yeah, Mm. for sure. You want to wrap up? I know. Self-awareness. Yeah. I probably need to get back to them. (laughs) We were coloring dinosaurs earlier. Oh my gosh. The way Teddy says dinosaur, you have got to hear it. It's I can't wait. I want to hear (laughs) I can't wait to hang out. Like I have just been craving human connection. Yeah. Um, you know, I promised Daniel I would go back into it slowly. I thought that's what I understood with your text. I'm like, I think that means no in, yeah. in person, but I'm going to ask just in case. Well, I wanted to so bad. So I didn't want to directly say no, because right. you're so sweet. You will not like, hurt my feelings. I oh, promise. I really want to. Boundaries it wasn't about hurting your welcome. feelings. It was about, right. I really wanted to. 
could this happen? No. I'm trying, you know, slowly introducing like my two right. works, my two jobs. And I was just at the beach with out of town people. I shouldn't have done that. I probably should have waited, but um, I really wanted to see one of my friends from New Orleans and Ooh. Daniel like kiboshed that. And I was yeah, like, well, why are oh, Louisiana people here? <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought that was not allowed. No, there were a lot here. We counted like Ooh, over the what? weekend, we counted. Yes, we counted at least twenty-five license plates. This when we just were out goes and about. to show they can't control. And we anything. weren't even even really out and about. Second collaboration session. Yes, ma'am. Hi, sweet. Thank you so much for listening to a collaboration session with Sobriety After Dark and Fully Awake. I am one of your hosts, Jackie Laidlaw, and this is your second host, Sarah Liz. We are so glad that you tuned in today. Thanks for joining us. Everyone has a story and everyone brings something to the table. We are all the same. We are all one. Namaste, teachers. Namaste, my friends. Namaste.